turn your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19. Even when, even when. Sadness should be shared was the title of Carol Weston's usually witty and humorous back talk column in McCall's magazine. But this particular column was not witty nor humorous. Carol explains that upon her father's death, she found herself paralyzed in life at a standstill. She was dreaming about her father's gourmet cooking. And she was seeing her father's face in all the men she encountered. And for comfort, day after day, she would call her mother and always found her mother a rock of composure and strength. And that, that was the problem. I cried on my mother's shoulder, Carol says, but she never soaked mine in return. Yet one day... As her mother was cleaning out her husband's tobacco drawer, the smells of dad, the cedar box, the apple tobacco, the leather pouch, they brought forth the long-awaited tears. This time she called her daughter Carol, and the healing began. Carol concludes, Because my mother shared her sadness with me, It is easy now for me to share her joy. Because my mother shared her sadness with me, now I can share her joy. Like Carol Weston learned that trouble should be shared, you and I discover from the Apostle Peter this morning that we are called upon as Christians to share, participate in the sufferings and the troubles of Christ. And as we experience the troubles of Christ, we should even then keep on rejoicing. Rejoice, Peter says, even when trouble comes. It's a powerful message from the Apostle Peter to the Christians in Asia Minor, what we call Turkey today. Let us listen to the message of Peter in this sermon. Up up until now, Peter had been writing and his readers that they shouldn't be trapped by various temptations. Watch out for hatred. Watch out for deceit. Watch out for hypocrisy. Speaking evil of others. And he's urged them that among all other things, it is important that they have a love amongst the family, the church. But he's given them previous hints of suffering. Turn back to chapter 1 and verse 6. Chapter 1 and verse 6. And this you greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So earlier in this letter to the church in Asia Minor, the idea of suffering is introduced, but it's conditional. Notice the if. If necessary. Now turn over to chapter 3 and verse 14. But even if you should suffer, for the sake of the righteous, you are blessed. Do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. So first it's conditional, and then it's potential. And by the time we get to chapter 4, verse 12, it's no longer conditional. It is no longer potential. It is now actual. Look at verse 12 again. 
Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial in your midst. There's no if there. Now the church is enduring suffering. It is actual. The setting is just before Nero's horrible outburst against the church, the community of faith. Somewhere around A.D. 64, Nero began to persecute and punish Christians, using them as a scapegoat for the fire that he himself had set. And so even as things are getting worse and the tensions are mounting, Peter takes out the parchment and the pen and he begins to write, Do not be surprised at the fiery trials in your midst. Tacitus, a senator no less, Historian of the Roman Empire in the first century told on old Nero. He wrote it down, and we have it today. Listen to Tacitus. To avert suspicion about himself, Nero put forth his guilty and afflicted with the most exquisite punishments those who were hated for the abominations, those called Christians by the populace. Christus, you recognize Christ. Christus, from whom their name was derived, was punished by the procurator Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius. The noxious form of religion, speaking about us, checked for a time, broke out again not only in Judea, its birthplace, but also in Rome, where all the abominations, like Christianity, find devotees. Therefore, all those who confessed being Christians were arrested, and then as a result of their information, a large number were implicated, not so much on the charge of incendiarism, that is not starting the fire of Rome, Nero himself has started that, but as accused of hating the human race. They died by methods of mockery. Some were covered with the skins of wild beasts and torn by the dogs. Others were burned alive as torches to light the night. But in the extreme cruelty, sympathy was stirred for them because men felt their destruction was not so much account on the public welfare, but to gratify the cruelty of Nero. The Christians were innocent, but Nero needed a scapegoat. He set the fire. He blamed the Christians. He threw them into the arena to be torn apart by dogs and lions. And he says, rejoice even when suffering comes. Well, first of all, I want you to see, rejoice even when troubles come because of the positive results you receive. Rejoice even when suffering comes because of the positive results you receive. Charles Spurgeon said, I've oftentimes looked gratefully back upon my sick chamber I am certain that I never did grow in grace half as much anywhere else as I have grown upon the bed of pain. I look back to my sick chamber and I rejoice, he says, for it is here that I grew in grace nowhere else like through pain and suffering. Notice in verses 12 and following, they were surprised. Do not be surprised at this fiery trial among you. Well, especially the Gentiles, the majority of the church, they had accepted a gospel story so full of hope and joy and love, they had never been persecuted as the Jews had been for having a different faith. And now they found themselves accepting salvation, finding themselves suffering and in trouble. And if they admitted Jesus was their Lord, 
they might face death at the hands of Nero. And so he tells them, don't be surprised at the fiery trial among you. Earlier in chapter 1, he talked about suffering as a refiner's fire to get the dross The waste out of gold, it is heated, and the dross burns up, and the purity of the gold remains. The image is not so much on the heat of the fire, but the purity that results from suffering. Kristen Wurtzen wrote a song entitled, The Fire. I've been through a fire that has deepened my desire to know the living God more and more. But it hasn't been much fun. But the work that it has done in my life has been worth the hurt. You see, sometimes we need the hard times to bring us to our knees. Otherwise, we do as we please and we never heed him. For he always knows what's best. And it's when we are distressed that we really come to know God as he is. Still today, however... Across the airwaves, there's this health and wealth and prosperity gospel that promises if you follow Jesus, you'll have your best days right now. That's not the New Testament. The New Testament says to us, do not be surprised at the fiery trials in your midst. That's nothing strange. If you and I are going to follow the chief one who suffered, we too will suffer along with him. And as we suffer with him, Paul would say, we are also glorified with him. There will be hardships, difficulties, losses, suffering for those who say Jesus is Lord. I look at John the Baptist in the New Testament, the forerunner to the Messiah. God had called him to go out to ancient Israel and give them the call of repentance. Repent, John said. Repent, you brood of vipers. Repent. God used him as a forerunner to make straight the paths of the Messiah. But John, in preaching being completely obedient to all that God had called him to do, John found himself because he preached against Herod's illicit relationship with his sister-in-law, Herodias. As John preached against their relationship, he found himself in Herod's dungeon. Now, there's nowhere in Scripture that says an angel appeared to John the Baptist and said, now, don't you worry about this. This is the plan of God. Now, I know you were obedient and you're surprised that you did everything God asked you to do, and now you find yourself in Herod's stinking dungeon. Don't be surprised. Don't worry about it. John the Baptist isn't in on the plan. He's simply in the dungeon. Do you remember what he does in Matthew and Luke's gospel? He sends messengers to Jesus while he's in the dungeon, and he asks the question, are you the one or do I need to look for somebody else I didn't know it'd be like this the one about whom Jesus said there's no one born of a woman greater than John the Baptist he finds himself suffering he's surprised at his suffering and so he sends the inquiry are you really the one or do I need to look for another Maybe you've been there. 
Maybe you too have been in that dungeon of doubt and you find yourselves sending a word to Jesus, are you really the one or do I need to look for another? The end of that story of uncertainty, John the Baptist is beheaded. That's how it ends for him. Or Stephen in the book of Acts who's stoned to death for saying that Jesus is the Christ. Or just one verse attributed to James, the brother of John, when it says King Herod Agrippa had James, the brother of John, put to death by the sword. In fact, if you look at the 12 men that Jesus picked upon which to begin and build the church, all of them but two were executed. One of them committed suicide, Judas, and the other one, John, was exiled to the Isle of Patmos. It didn't go well for them. Paul himself stoned and flogged, most likely beheaded by the Roman Empire. How can we be surprised at the suffering and the trials in our midst as if they are something that is strange? I'm not sure where, but somewhere along the line, we've gotten the idea that following Jesus ought to be a piece of cake. That God has this cosmic broom and he walks before us and he sweeps all the suffering and the hardship out of our life. And when that doesn't happen and when we're sick and when, we're, when we suffer and when we get bad news, we are surprised. Jesus says in John 16, I've told you these things that you may have peace. In this world, you have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Paul wrote, in all our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. For we came to Macedonia, this body of ours had no rest. We were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside, fears within. Paul, troubled, Jesus says to his followers, you will have hardships if you try to follow him. There is in Scripture a consistent, unequivocal expectation given by the biblical writers, and yet somehow we are determined to rewrite the text where we don't suffer, where we don't have hardships, where all of life, if we say Jesus is Lord, is smooth sailing for us. If somehow we have forgotten that God himself is holy and majestic and righteous, that he is creator and we are creation, that God is not accountable to you or to me. He is not an errand boy that we send on assignment. He is not a genie to come out of the lamp and grant our wishes. Oh, sometimes he performs mighty miracles in our midst. We've seen it here, and we rejoice, and there are other times that he, we understand his spirit explains everything that's going to own to us. And there, sometimes his presence is so real for us, and yet there are other times when we join John the Baptist in the dungeon of doubt, and we wonder, are you, are you really the one? It doesn't feel like you're the one today. Should I start looking for someone else? I want you to notice two positive results. First of all, 
But as much as we're sharing in Christ's suffering, verse 13, keep on rejoicing so that the uncovering of his glory may rejoice triumphantly. Johnny Erickson, Tata, the quadriplegic from a diving accident, wrote these words. When life is rosy, we may slide by with knowing about Jesus, with imitating him and quoting him and speaking of him, but only in suffering will we really know him. But only in suffering will we really know him. Paul writes to the, the church in the city of Rome the same words likened to Peter's. If joint heirs with Christ, if we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together with him. If we walk with the Christ through suffering, we also share in his glory on that day. Rejoice, he says, because the first positive result you receive is if you suffer with Christ, you're glorified with Christ. There's another positive result in verse 14. Seeing that you're approached on the count of the name of Christ, you're happy because the Spirit of glory, yes, the Spirit of God is dwelling upon you. This word he used for the Christians in Asia Minor, if you're reproached, it's the language used in the Gospels when the soldiers are mocking the Christ on the cross. You saved others, now save yourself. Come down for that cross. Give us a show. The gospel, that same word, is used, reproached. If you're reproached for the name of Christ, keep on rejoicing for the Spirit of glory. Yes, the Spirit of God dwells with you. It's unavoidable. They hated our Christ. They're going to hate us too. And yet the equation is unbroken. As you share in his troubles, you will share in his glory. And as you reproach for the name of Jesus, you will have the presence of his Holy Spirit amongst you. I've held a thousand hands at the hour of suffering. And over and over again, I've seen people comforted by God's Spirit at their darkest hour. Everybody looks around and asks the questions, if my loss was as big as her loss or his loss, how would I ever make it through it? And I've watched folks with the indwelling Spirit of God be able to make it, not even one day at a time, but one hour at a time because of the unexplainable comfort that comes from the presence of the Spirit of God. The loss is no less real. The pain is not numb. The waves of fear still rage, but in the midst of it, there's the peace of the presence of the Spirit of God. Here's the second reason he says, rejoice even when trouble comes because your suffering is not the result of your sin. Verses 15 and following, he says, if you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer, if you suffer because of these things, a, a troublesome meddler, now we don't like the way those lists usually work out, murderer, yeah, thief, yeah, evildoer, and then gossip right there in the middle. If you suffer because of that, but if you, suffer, if you suffer for those things, I'm not here to help you, Peter says. But if you suffer as a Christian, if the suffering that comes in your life is a result of living a life that exudes the grace of God, well, then rejoice because your suffering is not the result of your sin. 
Verse 18, he says, if a righteous man is scarcely saved, what will become of the impious and the sinner? It doesn't mean that our salvation is less certain. It just emphasizes that our salvation comes through troubles and trials and tribulations. Rejoice because your suffering is not the result of your evil doing. A murderer, a thief, evildoer, troublesome meddler. What, what are we saying? What Peter is saying is this. I don't want you to think all of your suffering is a result of following Christ. Maybe your suffering is a result of something you've done. Of all the gall on God's green earth, drug addict Samuel Cutrafelli, broke into the home of a 90-year-old man by the name of Jay Leone. It happened in Green Bray, Marin County, California. It wasn't enough that Cutrafelli broke into the old man's home but he actually held the old man hostage in his own house. In Cutrafelli's mind, he'd broken into the house of a 90-year-old man that was weak and ancient, like a dog with no teeth. He can only bark, but really can't do any damage by him. Well, that was Cutrafelli's first mistake. This 90-year-old man was a WW2 veteran, a former deputy sheriff, and finally he convinced the burglar, Cutrafelli, to let him go to the restroom. They just had to go. He couldn't wait any longer. What he didn't know is Pops was packing in the restroom. That's where he kept his 357 revolver in case of emergencies like this. I couldn't help but wonder when I read this story this week, how many days had gone by with that 357 in the bathroom never to be used, but Pops knew where it was. When Leone came out of the bathroom, Cutrafelli saw that he had a gun. He, he shot Pops in the jaw, but that didn't stop Pops from firing back. And when the gunfire was finished, Cutrafelli had three bullets in his body. In fact, he was begging the old man to spare his life. In fact, the moment the old man let his guard down, Cutrafelli ran from the house. The police followed the, the blood trail and eventually captured him, found out he had harassed other senior adults that day by breaking into their homes. But here's where the story gets bizarre. Cutrafelli decided to sue Leone for causing his misery. The story is in the New York Daily News. He said, you have caused me great bodily injury and financial damage. Really now? You broke into this old man's house, you pointed a gun at him, you shot him in the face, and now you're suing him for financial damage. Do not rejoice if your suffering comes as a result of your evil. Sometimes our suffering, like Cutrafelli's, might be our own, own doing. Happy to say that Cutrafelli lost the lawsuit and went to the prison for 86 years. Some people suffer because of their sin. That's not what Peter's talking about. We must ask ourselves this question. Is my suffering brought about by my living a life that exudes the fruit of the Spirit? Grace, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, goodness. There's a third and final thing I want you to see. Rejoice when trouble comes because of your opportunities to help others. Rejoice even when trouble comes because of your opportunity to help others. Look at verse 19. Therefore, let those who suffer, according to the will of God, entrust their souls to a faithful creator and doing what is right. This language of entrusting your soul is the same language that Jesus uses on the cross. Father, into your hands I entrust or commit my spirit. You remember that? It's the same thing here, same word. 
In ancient days, there was no bank, and when you went on a trip, you chose someone, your best friend, the most trusted guy you knew. You left your valuables with him. You entrusted those valuables to your friend before you traveled. Well, take the thing that is most valuable to you, your very own soul, Peter says, and entrust it to God. And how do we entrust it? By helping others, by helping others. We're always going to help our neighbor clean out his garage after ours is clean. The problem is what? Ours is never clean. You can't wait till everything is square in your life before you reach out and help others. In fact, I have found that people who themselves suffer are the very best at helping others. Someone once said that suffering is like a pile of rocks. You can do one of three things. You can take these rocks, you can hurl them at your friends and family, you can go through life hurting other people because you've been hurt, you've been around someone like that. You can take that suffering, that hurt, and aim it at others and take it out on them. Or, or you can take that pile of rocks, that suffering, and put them on a backpack and drag them through life, and you'll walk with a limp and scarred because you insist on carrying all the pain of yesterday into today and then tomorrow. Yeah, you can carry all that suffering with you. Or thirdly and finally, you can take that pile of rocks and that suffering, and you can build an altar. You can bow down and worship the one who suffered. Don't waste your suffering. What will you do with your suffering? Will you fall down and worship him today? Peter writes to the Christians in Asia Minor right before this horrible outbreak of persecution in which many of them would die. Even though, even though, keep on rejoicing because as you share in his sufferings, you also share in his glory. And the Spirit of God dwells in you. Let us pray. Well, God, those watching by way of television and those in this room, there is a great number who suffer. I don't know her pain. I don't know his pain. But I know in following Jesus, they thought it was going to be easy. And today, it's not easy. And like John the baptizer, they're asking the question this morning, are you really the one I'm kind of disappointed in my Messiah. I didn't know it involved a dungeon, doubt, hurt, pain. Are you really the one, or should I look for somebody else? The word comes back. That God not only loves and cares, but he puts on flesh and dies on the cross and suffers both with and in, in place of his people. That he is a God who knows. He watches and hears the cries of his people. And if we suffer with him, we shall be glorified with him. Amen.
Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart be lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus sees my portion, my constant friend is he, for his eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. of invitation today is 624. Maybe you're here this morning and it's your morning to come and proclaim the Lordship of Christ Jesus in your life. Your morning to come and say, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Maybe it's your morning to come and be a part of this great fellowship called First Baptist Church. 624. If you have a decision to make this morning, I'll meet you at the front. Stand together as we